1: Our first reading is from Ephesians. Let us listen to the word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace and that he lavishes on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things, things in heaven and things on earth. Our second lesson is from the Gospel of Mark. Let us listen to God's word. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And now welcome the Reverend Werner Ramirez, who shares this week's sermon, To Be Chosen.
0: When I was in seminary, I got a text message from one of my former students, Tacy. I knew Tacy from my time as a youth pastor in California. The text message said, Hi, Warner, I hope everything is going well. Can I ask you for a favor? Now, I left Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church right before her freshman year of high school. And I had her in youth group from sixth to eighth grade, which would mean that she was gonna be a junior in high school when I got that text. So when I saw that she wanted a favor, I assumed she probably wanted to start college applications and wanted to put me down as a reference. I'm used to that request, but I know better to agree to a favor before knowing what it is. So I respond by saying, hi Tacey, I'm doing well. How are you? And what can I help you with? She said, I'm awesome. I just joined a new church in Colorado and I'm swimming hard with my swim team. Now for the favor, I want to get a tattoo, but I want it to be very meaningful And I remember you always said that if you remember anything, remember that you are loved. So I want to get remember you are loved tattooed. But I want it in Hebrew. Do you by chance know how to translate that? I respond by saying, huh, very interesting. My Hebrew is not the best. But trust me, you do not want me translating something into Hebrew. But most importantly, have you talked to your parents about this? Oh, yeah, they're totally cool with it. Now, taking the whole tattoo idea out of the scenario, I was absolutely ecstatic to know that she still remembered those words. The words, you are loved. Every time we had youth group, I would say that to them because I wanted them to know it deep in their brains. I wanted them to have the knowledge to know that they were loved by God of the universe. My hope and prayers were that the Holy Spirit would take that head knowledge and turn it into heart knowledge. That as they journeyed on in their faith, through the highs and lows of life, they would know deep in their hearts that they were loved. And when it comes down to it, I believe that a lot of my theology and philosophies around ministry and practice begins with the message that we are loved, and through the grace of God, we are enough. If you have been around Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in person or online, I'm sure you have heard me utter the phrase, you are loved and you are enough. That phrase became essential for me in college when I read Henry Nowen's Life of the Beloved and then developed further at my time as a co-pastor at Kingston United Methodist Church, a small quirky congregation in central New Jersey that I hold dear to my heart. At that congregation, I was reminded that not only are we loved, but that because of grace, my worth is not contingent on what society sees as worthy. In a society that says you are only enough when you have that job, when you get that A on that paper, or when you look a certain way, or that you are only enough if the pain goes away. At Kingston, I was told that because of grace, we are enough. And we are loved. Now, I need you to know that the phrase, you are loved and you are enough, is not a tagline for me. It's not gimmicky. It's because I really believe it. We genuinely believe that the God of the universe, that the God incarnate in the person of Jesus, knows you by name, knows your strengths, your weaknesses, and that God calls you God's beloved and claims us as enough, and proved it by dying on the cross and resurrecting three days later. You are loved and you are enough. It's not simply a comforting phrase for me, but it's profoundly theological. It affirms the imago Dei in us. It affirms the image of God in us. Scripture claims that we are all created in the image of God. We are God's handiwork, God's pieces of art. We believe that God is love. Liberation theologian Gustavo Gutierrez says, We have have been made by love and for love. God's love for us is gratuitous. We do not merit it. It's a gift we receive before we exist. Or to be more accurate, a gift in view of which we have been created. Gratuitousness thus marks our lives so that we are led to love gratuitously and to want to be loved gratuitously. I mentioned that my exploration on this began in college when I read Henry Nowen's Life of the Beloved. The book's premise begins with Henry Nowen describing his friendship with a man named Fred, a reporter from the New York Times. They became great friends, although having different spiritual convictions. Nowen was a Catholic priest, and Fred was what Nowen calls a secular Jew. In the midst of their friendship, Fred challenges and by asking him to write something for him. Fred says to him, you have something to say, but you keep saying it to the people who least need to hear it. What about us young, ambitious, secular men and women, wondering what life is all about after all? Can you speak to us with the same conviction as you speak to those who share your tradition, your language and your vision? Speak to us about the deepest yearning of our hearts, about the many wishes, about hope, not about strategies for survival, but about trust, not about new methods of satisfying our emotional needs, but about love. Speak to us about a vision larger than our changing perspectives and a voice deeper than the clamoring of our mass media. Yes, speak to us about something or someone greater than ourselves speak to us about god so as henry now contemplates what to write the word that keeps popping into his head is the word beloved and the image of Jesus' baptism where the spirit descends on jesus like a dove and a voice from the heaven says you are my son the beloved and with you i am well pleased And I agree with Nowen when he says, God says the same thing to us. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my child. You are my beloved, and with you I am well pleased. I'm not saying that we rank equal to Jesus. Jesus is God the Son, God's Son. But as adopted children of God, we are still called God's beloved children. And once we begin to discover that we are God's beloved, that we are loved, we just want to know more and more. Nowin says, it's like discovering a well in the desert. Once you've touched wet ground, you want to dig deeper. One of the ways that Nowin describes our belovedness is by reminding us that God has chosen us. God has chosen you to be gods. What does it mean to be chosen? To be chosen is a very special thing. Think about a time that you have been chosen. In the summer of 1999, I was selected to kick a soccer ball at halftime of a Women's World Cup match. I was one of two kids selected out of thousands to kick in the all-state $1 million kick. And let me tell you, I was a very excited 13-year-old boy. I remember answering the phone and they asked for Werner Ramirez, and whenever I picked up the phone and they asked for Werner Ramirez, I would always ask, do you want junior or senior? Because my dad's first name is also Werner, and they never actually wanted to talk to me, but I thought it was funny to ask. Yet this time they said, the junior. They wanted to talk to me. They asked if I remember entering this contest for $1 million at an LA Galaxy game. And of course I remembered because I got a free keychain out of it. So I passed the phone to my mom, and she didn't think it was real. But sure enough, I was selected for this kick. I was chosen. And let me tell you, I felt special. They flew my family and me out to Chicago. We stayed in the nicest hotel I have ever visited. All the meals were included. They gave me $500 spending money, and everywhere we went, we were taken in a limo. Alexi Lalas, a famous soccer player, was my coach for the week. It was all so cool. The morning of the kick, we were on Good Morning America. Robin Roberts interviewed me. And George Stephanopoulos said my name. Later on we had a media session and there was interview after interview and I kept making my practice shots. I was big time. The night came and Soldier Field was a sellout for the USA versus Nigeria match. Over 65,000 people were there and I assumed that most people would leave at halftime to get nachos and stuff but when I walked onto the pitch I looked up and saw the stadium lights I swear nobody left. The kick was also live on ESPN, Two, which meant that my friends back home were able to see. The goal was covered by a tarp with a hole right in the middle, two inches bigger than the ball. And if I made it in, I would win one million dollars. So I go up for my kick and well, let's just see what happened. 13-year-old Warner Ramirez from Long Beach, California. The chance to win up to $1,000,000. Allstate Insurance Company, in concert with the Allstate Foundation, will match their winnings for a donation to the National Alliance for Youth Sports. The kids were randomly selected in a drawing held by Allstate earlier this month, and they've been working with celebrity coach Alexi Lawless. Alexi, I don't know how you're prepared to win a million dollars, but what did you tell them? I just told them to have fun because they've already won no matter what happens. you know, Crystal and Warner have been practicing, but they're already win- winners to me so. ball goes wide left. But here's the cool thing. Yes, I missed the million-dollar kick, but I got a $25,000 consolation prize. Not too shabby for a 13-year-old. I thought God had given me that money for college, but in 2004, immigration came calling, and after a nasty deportation scare, we were able to use that money to speed up our green card process. I knew that God had given me that experience so that my family and I could stay in the country. But that's a whole different sermon. The point is that week, I felt special because I was chosen. I was on TV. I was treated like a celebrity. On the flight back, Andrew Hsu was on our flight. My cousin who came with us recognized him as an actor on Melrose plays, but I knew him as a player on the LA Galaxy. On our way out of the plane, he told me that he was lucky to meet me in person. I was special that week because I was chosen for the Allstate $1 million kick. There is something extraordinary when one is chosen. And friends, I'm here to tell you that you are chosen as well. You have not been chosen to kick for $1 million, but for something far better. God has chosen you to be God's beloved. You have a name that someone named you, and you also have another title, Child of God. God has chosen you, and you are special. You have a story, and that story is important. Your story is your own, and it's also part of God's incredible story, and you cannot be replaced. God has chosen you because God created you and God loves you. And this chosenness that we have is not like being chosen for the football team where someone else does not get chosen. To be chosen as the beloved of God is something radically different. Instead of excluding others, it includes others. Instead of rejecting others as less valuable, it accepts others in their own uniqueness. It's not a competitive... But a compassionate choice. The first step in discovering our belovedness, in discovering that you are loved and enough, is knowing that you are already there. It's the head knowledge of it. You have already been picked, you have already been taken, you have already been chosen. Yet that is a lot easier said than known and felt. It's sometimes hard to embrace our belovedness when we are surrounded by messages that tell us otherwise. And that is a real spiritual struggle. So and gives us helpful tips to remind us of our belovedness. The first one is unmasking the lies that the world says about you. The world and people judge you by your performance, by your looks, by your success. And we are sometimes made to feel worthless. Now and simply says, when you feel hurt, offended, or rejected, you have to say to yourself, these feelings, strong as they may be, are not telling me the truth about myself. The truth, even though I cannot feel it right now, is that I am a chosen child of God. I remember being in about second or third grade and I was on a soccer team called the Purple Punishers. And we had a playoff game that went into shootouts. For as much as I love soccer, I'm not good at playing the game. You saw my kick. At this shootout, I was placed to kick last. Shootouts are typically five shooters for each team. The one with most goals wins. And if it's still tied after five shooters, it goes into sudden death. One player from each team goes until the tie is broken. And during this match the tie was not breaking and it went to the 11th kicker the 11th kicker is the last one before the rotation starts over again and i was that 11th kicker typically the 11th shooter is the one who's least confident in penalty taking so the other team goes first and he made a shot so it was my turn if i missed we would be eliminated if i made it the game would continue And I had never scored a goal in an actual match before and I was terrified but I go up and I score a perfect penalty kick right in the upper left corner and as I am cheering and so proud I look around and all of a sudden I see my coach and the other coach yelling at each other and then the parents start to get involved and I see some pushing and shoving and I learned that the other team did not want my goal to count because they were not sure if I was on the field or on the bench before the last whistle. So I begin to cry. And I remember running to my dad and saying, they don't want my goal to count. And that was the first time I ever saw my dad cry. He's crying, and with tears in his eyes, he says, no, your goal counted. They might not think it counts, but if you did not score that goal, Nobody would be arguing, and the team would have lost. Your goal counted. Friends, even when we feel like we do not count, we have to unmask the lies and remember that we do count. We have been chosen. We are God's beloved. My dad reminded me that night that I counted. And that is what the author now and gives as an additional tip to look for people and places where truth is is spoken, and where you're reminded of your deepest identity as a chosen person. Friends, here at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church, we will do our best to remind you that you are loved and that you are enough. And I encourage you to surround yourself with folk that do the same. When Simone Biles withdrew from some of the competition these past Olympics for mental health reasons, She received some terrible criticism on one side. Yet on the other side, she received encouragement by others. And she decided to hear the truth over the lies. She tweeted, The outpouring love and support I receive has made me realize I'm more than my accomplishments in gymnastics, which I never truly believed before. And one of the beautiful things about knowing that you have been chosen, knowing that you are loved, is that you begin to see the chosenness in those around you. Those around you in the pews, in your neighbors, in the marginalized, even in the people that annoy you the most. You'll begin to see the chosenness in them. You begin to recognize the image of God in them, and that they too are beloved children of God. Too often in our society, we tell certain people that they are not loved and that they are not enough. When racism is at play, we tell certain people that they are not loved. When people are not fed, we tell the hungry that they are not enough. And yet one of the jobs of the church is to flip a 180 on that lie and remind people in word and in action that that is not true. When we at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church have honest conversations about racism, and participate in anti-racism. It's because we want to remind all people that they are loved and enough. When I see Rodrigo, our caterer, and John Sheehan, our director of the Ecumenical Outreach Partnership, and their team give not only meals on Mondays and Wednesdays, but genuine human interactions, they remind people that they are loved and enough. We have been made by love and for love. Justice is love in action. So friends, my fellow beloved children of God, may you know deep in your heart, soul, and mind that you and your neighbor are deeply loved. And by the grace of God, you are enough. Friends, May the Lord who loves you bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.